The following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of My Talk 1071. What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here, your host of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. And from Remax Results, my good friend, licensed realtor extraordinaire, Miss Mimi Shoneman. Hey, Mimi. Good morning. Hello, hello. Glad that you are here. Also glad to hear the lovely and talented voice of Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. How's it going over there, Phil? Yo. Hi. Yo. So let's start with your NMLS number, please. NMLS 238103 and company NMLS 3029 Cross Country Mortgage. Our number wizard from Cross Country Mortgage here with us today. So Mimi, um, I got, uh, first of all, I want to tell you and Phil, thank you um, for all of your help. And here's why. I got a lovely text message from my friend, the previous owner of my home. And yesterday was the one year anniversary of me closing on my home. And you both were instrumental in me being able to get this deal done. So thank you both very much. It was an awesome honor yes, and very you. excited to watch you um, through that whole process. It was uh, right when we were, were coming into COVID. Right, right. And it was kind of a, a very fearful time with a lot of unknowns. Right. And speaking of unknowns, the fact that we are one year out from that and the world has changed and shifted dramatically even in the last year. So I know that you and Phil are both in like whirlwind of information and everything that's going on right now. Cause it's still so much, so much has changed even in the last year. I would say, and Phil, you can, can uh, chime in on this. I would say that if you compare 2021 to 2020, mm-hmm. it's almost like you were talking about the stone age right? back in the day. Um, it has changed that dramatically, at least from uh, buying and selling. It's very, very different. Uh, Phil, your, your insight on that? I would say you are totally right. Like you normally are Mimi. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, it, it's a whirlwind out there, folks. I, I swear the mortgage and real estate industry has been turned over 100% on how we have to do things now with the, with, you know, pandemic now post pandemic still pandemic mm-hmm. housing housing market inflation uh unemployment i mean all these things come into play and it's it's beyond crazy that's all i can say yeah and you know just even since the beginning of the year i talked to a lot of people that were looking maybe late fall and they just aren't ready to do something now. And to explain to somebody is one thing. Right. But to be in the mix and actually boots on the ground, it's a different experience. Um, you know, just now I'm looking at the, the weekly activity report that's put out every week from the Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors. And Phil and I have got a lot of other market updates that we want to make sure that we cover because there was a lot going on this week as far as like numbers. Okay. Um, so right now the new listings are, have increased. Thank goodness. 
uh, to almost 11%, which means that there's only 1,730 active homes that are available right now. Right. And so we've actually bumped up to one month of inventory from 0.9. That's an improvement, um, though. we got to we'll, take what we can get. We'll take it. Yeah. But the, the interesting thing is, I believe when we started the year, and I can go back on this this slide, but right now our median sales price is 328 thousand okay and phil and i are, are going to talk a little bit today about inflation and what that looks like as far as uh, price improvements price increases um what you're going to have to be prepared for going forward um phil that is a nice segue for us to kind of start talking about some of the market updates that we saw across the board including the cpi index would you like to talk a little bit about that Sure, that's called the core price index. And the core price index for, for you young folks out there that are in your 30s and, and 40s, you would have never ever saw inflation. Well, back in the 1980s, inflation was rampant. Okay. What is inflation? Inflation is when prices go up and they continue to go up based on demand, based on the flooding of the market of money, uh, based on restricted uh, pipelines or streamlines of products hitting the market. Well, this last week, uh, the CPI index came out, and they were estimating it to be at about 1%. It came in at 4.2%, which is the highest the inflationary market has gone since 1981. Um, not a good thing for the market. The bond market hated it. Stock market hated it. That was the day we saw the stock market drop 700 points. And in one day's time, we lost 60 basis points on it is the uh, bond market. Now, we, we have the bond market has come back slightly, but interest rates have probably ticked up about another eighth of a percent on all mortgages now based on that. And then also the unemployment rate came out. And if everybody's been monitoring that for a while, it's been going down. Right. Well, this is the first week, first week in many weeks that it actually ticked up. It went from 6% to 6.1%. And, and you're probably hearing about all these employers not being able to hire people. And that was actually predicted to be uh, far lower than that, the six point that was expected to be lower. Is that correct? Or was it expected they to be estimated higher? They estimated that 1 million uh, new people would have found jobs in that specific time frame, time frame and only 250,000. We only increased employment by 250,000. So we fell short by, by about 300%. Okay. So there's, there's a lot more unemployment than was expected, and nobody likes to hear that. Correct. Okay. And you said that rates actually jumped up just a smidge. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, the rates that you were able to quote last week, uh, on a 30 year fixed. 30 year fixed, uh, home ready program, uh, 3% down three and a quarter, 5% down three and an eighth. Um, the client had a conventional loan. Uh, they had a 665 credit score. They put 5% down. Their rate was three and a half. Uh, I locked a rate on a 15-year, 30-year uh, fixed refinance rate and term, 2.625. Okay. okay. 
So still really, really good because right. rates are historically low still. Mm-hmm. And that is driving a tremendous amount of people out there trying to get homes. There's a lot of questions going on right now about whether or not we are in a bubble okay. uh, that we uh, were in right before the market crashed in 2007, 2006. Um from our perspective, the National Association of Realtors, and I believe also from the Mortgage Bankers Association, we are not believing that we're in a bubble. Um, part of the reason for that is because uh, the situations were very, very different back in the, the down market. It was a, a different issue that caused that decline in the market. Right now, our primary issue is the lack of inventory, and that continues to go down and fill uh, when we come back from the break, let's just start talking a little bit about how inflation is going to uh, affect folks. Like, for instance, the cost of a home right now, if you were to buy a home um, and the appreciation rate is about 13 percent predicted for the year. And if you today are buying a home at 300,000, Phil, what would that home cost you in 2022 if you decide to wait? $339,000. Okay. So $40,000. <laughs> That's a lot of money, <laughs> Phil. That's a lot of money, Mimi. Oh, I know. My gosh. And guess what? You and, you and I are all about saving money for clients, but guess what? When their paint when their mortgage goes up by forty thousand, guess what happens to their mortgage payment at a three percent interest rate? It goes up almost two hundred dollars a month. Okay, so I have a question. So we also have been talking about how uh, potential buyers are being uh, asked to come in higher than the asking price. And so when we go back to the conversation you had about the bubble, Mimi. What are we telling those buyers and how, you know, that they don't have to be concerned that they're paying more and that they're going to be able to recoup their investment? Phil, would you like to address that? Sure. So if I buy a house today and I pay three forty for it, but it's maybe only worth three ten. Mm-hmm. But during the course of the year, the property appreciates at a three. Uh, say it appreciates at that 13% interest rate. Well, guess what? By the end of the year, you're at 340. Okay. And next year, they're already predicting, already predicting for the metro to increase by 7.9%. And guess what? When we started this year, they predicted the market to appreciate at 7%, but yet we're at 13%. Okay. So, if we don't have a, if there's no projected bubble, and I don't see anything, I know Mimi doesn't see anything, I'm not hearing about it, uh, and I go to, you know, I'm on a lot of different websites, and I do a lot of research, I listen to a lot of economists, nobody's predicting it, but I'm not saying it couldn't happen here in maybe two to three years. Okay. Yeah, we can't predict the future. Right. Um, And one thing for everybody to know is we aren't advising our clients about what's happening in the market. It's you're facing multiple offers Mm -hmm. right now. The percent of lists received by our sellers is over 100 percent, almost 102. Um, That tells you for every house there's they're up and over the asking price almost always not 100 percent. And it depends on where you're going, Phil. 
Uh, there's a, uh, there's, we've got some data out there on the national average. Every consumer is going up against 4.8 offers. And in my opinion, offers. that is a national average and that okay. counts, that counts some of the most obscure places in the country. What we're really seeing is more like 10, 20, 30, 50 offers here, right. here in the metro. Um, you know, any listing, especially I would say under 400,000 has just unbelievable pressure uh, for for offers. There's just so many buyers Probably one house for every 20 or more buyers. Wow. All right. Well, we are going to go to our break. We're going to come back and give some more information about what's going on out in this absolutely just hot on fire market, courtesy of our friend uh, Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage and Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group. We'll also take your questions. You can call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. I'm Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman of the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results. Also, our friend from Cross Country Mortgage, Mr. Phil Olson. It's a great day for you to call and get your questions answered. If you've just been percolating on something and going, should I put my house on the market? Should I not? Should I wait? Today is a great day to get those questions answered. Just call us at 651-641-1071. Okay, Phil. So, um... We have a lot of information. Today we're going to talk about what we're seeing out in the market. Um, we are realizing that there is a, a, a tremendous, more than I've ever seen in 15 years, cash buyers. And so normally that's people that have been, you know, maybe sold a big property and they've got the cash to spend on a property. But Phil, we're going to talk about how we're converting some of our clients into cash buyers that may not have realized that they could do that. And so let's start with a story that you've got. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a story that you and I have. We recently converted a cash buyer, okay? And we didn't even think we, they, had, they were a cash buyer, this client was working with another lender. They made some offers, didn't get the offer accepted, and then they then they talked with me. And see what what the thing was is they wanted to put twenty percent down. They lost six houses, but after talking with them, I realized that they had a ton of equity in their home. They had three hundred thousand dollars in equity. They had IRAs and assets of seven hundred and fifty thousand. Plus, they had another $100,000 in the bank. And I'm looking at all these assets, and I'm going, why aren't we a cash buyer? And so I took their application, got gathered up all their information, noticed that they had well over a million dollars in assets. And then I proposed them the idea of being a cash buyer. And they go, well, we don't have $400,000 in our bank account. I go, yeah, you do. You guys got $1.1 million. And they go, but hold one here. We're 50 years old. We're going to pay tax if we pull our money out out of our IRA. I said, that is correct. Unless you replace the money within 60 days of pulling the money out. And that was key. So how did I help them? Well, I helped set up a bridge loan. We, Meany and I, helped them coordinate with liquidating their assets with a financial, their financial planner and a tax accountant. And the tax accountant did verify that if they put their money back within 60 days of withdrawal, there would be no capital gains on that. The next offer that Meany helped them put together 
uh, was accepted. Hooray. Uh, the clients then their house sold two days later because we immediately put their house on the market and it sold. And believe it or not, I then did what was called delayed financing refi. Two days after they closed, I did a refinance. Refinanced, it is their, basically their, their, uh, new cash buy into a refinance. And I was able to give them their cash back within 35 days of them liquidating their funds. How do you like that? Wow. We love that. Yes. Yeah. Definitely why you're the numbers wizard, because that took a lot of line this up, line that up. And it's what it's just like they said, well, we can't do that. And you're like, nope, here's how you can. And so, Phil, you know, I think that there's a couple of things that you talked about in that little spiel of your of your process, but that I would like to break down a little bit in case somebody's listening and they don't know what those things are that you just talked about. So let's just start back with defining what a bridge loan is and who qualifies for that? A bridge loan is for a consumer that has credit scores above 680, have a high equity position in their property, and literally we can borrow 80% of that money out of the equity out of their home, and then they can use that as a down payment. Okay, so equity again, let's define what equity is. That is the difference between what you can sell your house for and what you owe on it. So that spread is your equity, what you've built up in in uh, appreciation over the years, correct? Correct. Okay. So somebody who's a homeowner, and this is what we talk about all the time, about how real estate is really the key to building wealth. Um you know, to save up, let's just say a hundred plus thousand dollars, just because you're you're not going to Starbucks anymore, that's going to take you a long time. You know where you know you can put your money in stocks; they go up, they go down. And real estate, for the most part, at least in my lifetime, has almost always appreciated, except for that small nugget of window that we had that was so painful back in the early two thousands. Right. Um, so, Phil, you know. When we when you presented that option and they had never thought that thought before, let's talk a little bit about that. Well, they were going to the the, in the beginning, they were skeptical. They thought that they were going to have to pay taxes to the federal government. Um, They were concerned that, well, it would take a long process. And basically, I've done this so many times. And I'm not going to tell you it's going to work with every client because every financial institution is different, but I have a very good understanding of what the norm is. And based on what they were trying to do, I kept on telling myself, why are we trying to pound a square peg into a round hole here? If I make them a cash buyer, what's the benefit? Well, one, it's going to put them at the top of the list. Number two, there's no financing. Number three, it's a super clean deal. Number four, Mimi, if you want to write up the offer and say we're going to close in 10 days, you can do it. All right. And the only thing is that a seller has to do to prove that they have the money to be a cash buyer 
is mainly you tell the tell the people what do they have to do to prove that well when i get a, a li- get an offer from a cash buyer i would like to see proof of funds on bank or financial institution letterhead signed by the their representative and with a contact information so that i can call them and verify that they are who they say they are that's what i want to see as a listing agent um, Phil, one of the sure. other great benefits of being cash when you're when you have twenty offers, and Miss Shannon, mm-hmm. it's it's covered this whole desk area in right. here. Twenty offers, you are are working up a spreadsheet because there's no other way to do it. Right. Um, and then you're trying to present to your clients, okay, the nuances of of how one is better than the other. Let's just say that you get two that are financed that are right. be- beautiful offers. But there's got to be something different, right? So the person is different, the lender is different, the agent is different, the mortgage company is different. We're Mm -hmm. looking at all of those things. When you're a cash buyer, that's why you elevate straight to the top. That's why we call it cash is king, because it is. Mm -hmm. You can close fast, just like Phil said. But the one other thing that we love is that you don't have to get an appraisal. Right. If you use cash. And right now what we're seeing is that our sellers are very concerned with these up and over offers that that those offers might not appraise. Right. Phil, we're seeing quite a few, I would say, appraisals come in a little bit low. And you were going to say? I'm going to tell you in the last 50 deals, I've had five appraisals come in low. Mm. And that's over the last 60 days. So we're probably at around 10%. The good news is on all four of those deals, the agents, including Mimi on one of them, was able to uh, renegotiate and get either the seller to accept the appraised value or we were able to come to some type of positive negotiation. Okay. And when you are to negotiate to get a seller to come off of their price in this market, I consider a phenomenal win, just so you know. Um, and you don't see a ton of it because right now sellers understand that uh, they have lots and lots of options. So what what are they wanting to see in their offer? It's something called an appraisal gap clause where they say, OK, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, if you are going to go up and over by such a substantial amount, we don't have comps right, right. now to, to support your offer. So what are you going to do? to guarantee me that I get that right when we walk away. And that's what's called an appraisal gap clause. Mm-hmm. So the buyer, they want to see, are, do you have the capability of bringing extra money into the transaction if the appraisal does come in low? Phil? You know, one of the things that I, I would like to talk to the folks about here is, so how can you get this cash, okay, Uh, And I'd like to talk about that a little bit after the break. Right. And we are happy to take your calls. You can be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Our number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back here on My Talk 1071. Smart speakers are the new radios, but sometimes Alexa can be a little tricky. For tips on enabling your Amazon Echo to play My Talk, go to mytalk1071.com, keyword Alexa. Put your You weather forecast from Ken Barlow on 5 Eyewitness News today. 75 for your high, dense fog for most of the morning here. We could have some thunderstorms south of the cities tonight. Low of 54, and then tomorrow it's warming up quite a bit to a high of 78. 
and a low of 50, 58. Currently, it is 62 and cloudy at My Talk 1071. And you are joining us for the Red Hot Real Estate Show. I'm Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results, and our good friend Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage reminding you can be part of the show. Call us at 651 641 1071. Okay, Phil. So we are talking a little bit in the last break about uh, how cash is king. We love cash. And so how does one go about being a cash buyer when they never thought the thought? So it's it's a different paradigm when you've got, you know, somebody that was planning on financing, but they're going to use cash. <laughs> Lots of money. Well, what I would tell... What I would tell people is, one, I'm not just a mortgage guy. I know a lot about finance guys and a lot about as well as accounting. Now, I'm not an expert in either one of the fields, but I have a very, very good understanding of those. So my the first question that needs to be asked is, what are the assets you have? The next question should be, based on the assets you have, is are they liquid? So let me give you an example. You have, it is a second home that's paid for. Is it considered an asset? Well, it's not liquid unless you sell it, but hold one here. I can do a bridge loan against that property, so it is liquid. I have an inheritance, but it's stuck in probate, and I've got $3 million in a uh, inheritance fund. Is it an asset? No. Because it's in probate, until it's outside of probate, it can't be counted. So the question is, is when, I, when I'm looking for liquid assets, I'm looking for something that I can liquidate in a short time frame, five to 10 days, maybe a little bit longer, depending on what the close date is. Now, now comes the next question. What is the process and the cost to liquidate? Me? Well, well, I do want to let everybody know that this is not something that you can count on going like super fast. It's not like you're going to call Phil today and go, okay, I think I've got some assets. Let's liquidate them. And I'm going to make an offer tonight. Um, That is a process you need, you know, every single, like say a stock or your 401k, there's a process to get a hold of those funds, right, Phil? Correct. And that's where I can help the client Uh, There are times where I talk with the financial planner. I talk with the lawyer. I talk with with the accountant. We do three-way calls. Sometimes we put all people on the phone at all one time to come up with what's the best strategy to prevent the taxation. We have IRS. We've got got all kinds of issues we have to talk about that the consumer is, is somewhat blinded about. Okay, and that's where we can come to play and help them. And so let's talk just for a moment about those people who don't have a home that they can pull equity from and get a bridge loan, that they're still able to possibly do a cash transaction, correct? Sure. Um, You know, let's let's give you an example of a client that's age. Let's just say they're age 65. And right now, the only money they're collecting is their Social Security. But they have a house to sell, but they don't want to buy their next house because they're afraid their own house won't sell. So they don't want, they don't want to sell their house first because they don't want to be, they don't want to have a house to live in. An example of that is let's suppose a client's looking to buy a $300,000 house. 
and they don't have the money to put down, but they have, let's say, 750000 in their IRA. Believe it or not, you could take the $300,000 out of the IRA. You can then, it is, buy your house with that, then sell your house. And Mimi, tell the folks, if you're between 150 and 300 and your house is looks good and priced right, will it sell in one to two days right now? Yes, it will. Very fast. 100%. Uh, I would say that you could actually bump that to 300000 and and maybe even three fifty four hundred, where you don't have to worry. Your house is going to sell. I don't know. I don't know what it would have to be uh, built on for it not to sell right now. I'm okay. thinking to myself, you know, Wizard of Oz. You know, you got little feet sticking out from under <laughs> your house. That sucker's still going to sell. You don't have to worry about it. All right, so we, we take the 300 from the IRA, we buy the house, okay? We, as soon as we buy the house, then I do a loan, which is called delayed financing. And there's a lot of mortgage people, they don't even maybe even understand the term, or maybe the bank doesn't even offer it. Basically, I can do a cash out refinance day one after they're listed on title. So they go to the closing, they get me the closing disclosure. I start a loan of a refinance, 80% of the purchase price. I'm then able to get that client $240,000 back. They can immediately put that back into their IRA. And remember, as long as the IRA or the asset has been returned back to the original vendor that was holding it within 60 days, there's no taxation to the federal government. Well, let's do talk a little bit about taxation. So in your example just there, you were saying that you would have to put 80% of the purchase price the day after closing, as soon as you have on your hands the closing disclosure from the the actual closing. So there's still a, a, a difference there in what they took out of their IRA versus what they needed for that transaction. What are you seeing for uh, complications or taxation? Um. If it's a primary residence, understand as long as if you're single, as long as you don't sell your house for more than 250000 over your sales price, you're able to keep all of that. If it's a second home or an investment property, once you sell your home, you're going to end up having to pay what's called capital gains. Current capital gains on an investment property and second home, don't quote me on this, but I believe it to be about 20%. With the understanding, I'm hearing things through the government that they may actually try increasing that to 28%. But the key is, is if I get you back 80%, then you sell your house and you sell your house 45 days later, you've still met that 60-day cap. So you're not going to be taxed on anything. Yes, is it a risk? I would say it's a calculated risk based on this market right now. Right. And let's just talk a little bit more about that exclusion from capital gains for folks that own their primary residence. For a single person, that's 250000 And for a couple, it's 500000 So that is a, a very good exclusion that we hope will not go away. Um, Phil, is there anything that you'd like to conclude about the cash buyer that people should know to call us if you are financed and perhaps this might be a scenario that would work for you to win? I would tell them to contact me. Uh, if they're skeptical, have them contact their tax accountant first 
then call me. I would love to be able to help them. And I know Mimi would love to help represent those cash buyers out there. Right. And so, you know, I know that there are, you know, for basically for financial planners, they're very conservative to begin with, right? And so the likelihood that you're going to call your financial planner and they say, this is crazy, (laughs) you know, that's not going to be a good thing for you. I would suggest that you get all three of them on the phone, yourself, your financial planner, and Phil, and have a consultation. And because a lot of times financial planners may not be aware that this is even a possibility, or maybe they've never had the thought. Right. Phil? I totally agree. And matter of fact, we could even be bring Mimi in on the conversation as well because the tax accountant and the financial planner might be somewhat skeptical as to how quickly the house can sell. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. okay. it does sound risky if you're going, hey, here's my giant, you know, this is my retirement nest egg. And you're yeah. like, no, no, you'll get it back, you know, right away. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's understandable to be right. skeptical, but it does work and we've seen it work. Phil? And believe it or not, I'm seeing 10 to 15% of clients out there. That's exactly what they're doing to, to basically acquire a home right now. And moms and dads and uncles and aunts and grandmas and grandpas are actually helping first-time home buyers this way as well. Yeah, so you're always looking for ways that can you can stand out and make yourself more attractive when you're facing, you know, who knows, countless other offers. And you don't, you know, the thing is, is when you're a buyer, you, you know, I get asked this all the time, like, well, how much, how much should I go to? Right. It's like playing poker. You don't know. You do not know. The hand is concealed. Right. Um, and they're not going to tell you. Right. Phil? And then along with the with that, the delayed financing mortgage option to basically refinance their home after they buy it basically puts them back in the same position had they been a finance buyer, but that now we don't have the, the finance contingency in the purchase agreement, and that's what puts that client in that top position is cash is king. Yes. The financing contingency, taking that out of there, um, makes everything very, very simple. And we've brought up the cash is king concept a couple of times uh, on the show today. It did. It also seems like you guys used to say that if you if you were a cash buyer, then you'd get it basically at a deal or you get a discount on it. Is that still the case? So the deal that you get when you're a cash buyer most of the time is that you might win the house. Okay. Um, you can't come into the transaction cocky. Okay. Just because you happen to have a lot of cash. Um, because I have seen uh, sellers to say, uh, you know, that that number is too low. Okay. And the finance number, I believe that they can get that financing and that makes them, you know, what I walk away with more profit in my pocket. That's mm-hmm. what a, that's what a seller wants. Right. It's like, how do you make a seller happy? More money. Right. Um, so that's that's what we have been seeing. So if you are coming into the market with cash from another market, let's just say that maybe is very different from this market, please listen to the advice that your agent is giving you because Florida, Montana, um, Nebraska, Arizona, we're all different. Mm -hmm. Our agreements are different. Our markets are different. And what you see in one place doesn't mean that that's what you're going to see here. Fair enough. Um, So Phil, one of the things that we have been seeing that is happening in the marketplace is with COVID, we saw that there that Airbnbs that their rentals were going down, mm-hmm. and now with 
with the ability to work from just about anywhere in remote areas, wherever you like. We've actually seen people going and renting Airbnbs during COVID and working remotely from wherever they want. You know, what's what's better, a snowy view or a beach view? Right. Um, you know, so one of the things that people are doing now is that they're actually considering buying Airbnbs in markets where they might want to ultimately live. Phil? So what is an Airbnb? It's an online marketplace that connects people who want to rent out their home with people who are looking for accommodations in that locality. It currently covers about 100,000 cities, 220 countries worldwide. And believe it or not, the company name came from what's called the Air Mattress B&B. And yes, basically what you're doing is you're renting out your second home or you're renting out a primary residence that's maybe in a prime vacation, hunting, fishing location. And, you know, why would people want to even consider this? Well, one, you're able to make extra cash flow on your property. I've actually got a client, owns a property in Florida, it's worth $1.4 million, has a mortgage on it, rents it out three months out of the year, and guess what? That three months out of the whole year covers his whole mortgage payment. Right. And I've had clients that have actually done this in their own primary residence where they had a room in their basement, mm-hmm. literally. And they would have people come in and they would share their kitchen and they would rent that out. And that supplemented their income and they would make four or five hundred extra dollars a month. And so people use it for a variety of reasons so that you can use it for extra cash to maybe save up for something else. Or you can use it to supplement your income instead of having a permanent uh, a permanent roommate. Mm -hmm. And some people use it because they're lonely. Right. And they actually get to have company in Mm -hmm. their house that they can actually host and have fun with it. Phil? How about buy that second home now in northern Minnesota or northern Wisconsin, and now you're able to rent it out in the winter to the snowmobilers and the ice fishermen? Yes. Mm -hmm. And when we come back, we can talk about going to sunny Florida, which I love to go to. (laughs) We'll also take your calls. You can call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back here on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. You're listening to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. And as we just said, you can also find it on the app and on MyTalk1071.com. I'm in Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman and Phil Olson talking about what's going on out there in the market and how if you are trying to figure out ways that you can go, how do I make this whole thing work? We have the resources to help you make these deals actually all come together yes and we're talking a little bit in the last break about airbnbs and i have known folks that have have chosen to do airbnb instead of actually renting out a single family home and the demand for single family homes right now outside of the metro areas the the heart of the downtowns has exploded and people have have just been looking for that right investment opportunity and as we've always said We believe in real estate. We believe strongly that real estate is a strong investment for you in the long term. And to buy an Airbnb can be a great strategy for the buy and hold. Phil? Absolutely. But, you know, we always want to talk about the good and the bad and the ugly. Right, Miss Mimi? I don't like talking about ugly. You (laughs) might. Because that's how you roll. Well, (laughs) 
I'd, I'd rather talk about reality. Okay. So understand, you know, when you invest, you're taking a risk. And this is, you are investing, okay, as an Airbnb. So number one, just understand you rent it out. Now you can't use it. Yeah. You missed that weekend that maybe you always went up to the cabin on. How about cancellations due to COVID? The uh, Airbnb site that I visited basically talks about uh, if it's COVID-related, they get their money refunded, so you don't get paid that weekend. Uh, I don't know how you would feel, but I don't know if I would feel good about having other people sleep in my bed. Oh, for goodness sake. Okay, yeah. So I have a friend that we just literally were having this discussion about RVs. So, you know, so you have to plan on changing the sheets, folks. You know, that's part of it. You are a landlord that you well, actually you're a motel. Right, Miss Shannon? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, right. you got to plan on having a washing machine and disinfecting. It's just different if you're going to be that one, especially yeah. if you want to keep your rating up and do all of those things. And and there are some people that have privacy issues, and then you may not be a good candidate to make your home yeah. an Airbnb. Yes. You know, so. Well, yeah, if you don't like going up or you're not going to hire somebody to come clean your place. Right. Well, typically with an Airbnb, there's always a cleaning fee. Correct. Um, You know, if you're going to be doing your own cleaning, then that's just extra profit right but it's a pain in the neck Mm -hmm. and you're gonna have to go over and do that and pick up the trash and and all the bottles and the stuff and there's just that that variety because as phil said it may mean that you decide that you're not going to use it during prime uh things because you're capable of making more money on it but there's also that thing where you're like well maybe people aren't using it as much as i thought and what am i going to do so it is kind of a balance right phil And then there's the money side, and I'm always the money guy, all right? Well, folks, if you're going to Airbnb it, you have to file specific tax forms. You'll have to file a Form 1099 and also a Form 1042. You can research that. But, yes, you are going to pay tax on the rental income you receive. Yes. And you also have to check with the city. And when you are buying the property, you want to make sure that you've done your due diligence there because what a womp, womp, womp if you buy one and think you're going to be able to do it. And, and you the, can't. And the city says, I don't think so. Right. We've changed that whole rule. We're not going to do that anymore. And there are cities that actually have limits on that. And so you want to make sure that you understand that where you want to buy your investment property, that it'll do what you want it to do. And that needs to happen while actually it should happen before you actually start exactly. looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Phil, let's talk about, you know, what people do, clients with homes in recreational and tourist areas. So let's just say that, Ms. Shannon, you you and I have talked about it. We're going to golden girl it. We're right. Go- we're going to get a duplex in Florida, Florida. someplace. Yeah. Because we like uh, little cranes and little crabs. That and it go seems on the like beach. a good place that we could go and, 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 and explore and have a good time as we, we grow we, we age gracefully. Yes. There you go. Mm-hmm. I must stay in your place and yeah. we'll rent the other side out and then you come into my place right. and we're going to flip flop like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just gave a reference. I'm not sure everybody knows. Phil, Golden Girls, you know what that oh, is? Wait, everybody knows Golden Girls. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm old enough to remember Golden Girls. <laughs> and that's girl. not even an old thing. There's yeah. lots of people. Golden Girl is like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, just in case you don't. There's you t-shirts at Target and Walmart. We're fine. There you go. Okay. Um, so people who need extra cash flow, Phil, let's talk about what benefits there are for folks that, that have that. 
Well, how, how about the property that's in northern Minnesota that's completely paid for? In northern Minnesota on a lake, it's going to go for at least 300 but let's say it's 400 and it's free and clear. How about we pull the cash out of that, buy another second home, maybe we buy it in Florida, and now we Airbnb our second home out to cover the mortgage, and now we accumulate another asset. Perfect. I like that strategy. Um, you're always taking people up north. You from here or something? <laughs> uh, I have I have a property up on Leech Lake, and I hope to spend a lot of time up there this ah, coming year. So he's yeah. planning. He's planning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fine. Whatever. Um, so let's talk about cash flow. Like you just gave a really good example, but you gave one that said taking a northern home that was paid free and clear. What if it isn't paid free and clear? Let's talk about options that somebody that's got a lake home that they could use some of the equity in that to buy another another second home? Well, you you could use a bridge loan as long as the client has a 90% equity position or 80%, excuse me, 20% equity position in that property. They could pull 10% down out. 10% down is required on a second home. So they could finance the purchase of their new second home or have two second homes, um, one in Minnesota, one in Florida, okay? Um, and matter of fact, you could only have one second, so they'd have to put 20% down on the other property, but you could pull it out of that one property up north. Okay. Or any other property that you have. Or the primary residence. Sure. And the same thing too, with what we were talking about with cash. So for your Airbnb, can folks do that same scenario and pull cash out of their investments to make a cash offer on a second or third home? Sure. Okay. You can pull cash out. You can pull cash out at seven. I believe it's eighty percent on a second home and it's seventy percent on an investment property. Uh, all those monies that in homes is accessible as long as you're you can be mortgage qualified. And the thing that I love about this scenario with investment properties, Miss Shannon, and the same for you when you were purchasing. Right. I love the fact that you are using OPM. Yeah. Yes. Other people's money. Right. To pay down your debt and yes. your principal faster. Right. And you're not doing anything but giving them a good place to lay their head at night. Exactly. And uh, fair rent. Mm -hmm. uh, that's amazing. That is that's monopoly all day long. Right. Yes. And I love that. Phil. Believe it or not, on an Airbnb, you can charge the consumer whatever you want them to charge. There are no rules or regulations as to how much rent you can get off of an Airbnb where it's different as an investment property. Oh, elaborate on that for a quick second. Well, in most cities have, it is um, landlord rules as to how much a, a, a landlord can charge in rent. Well, an Airbnb is not considered a rental. Okay. It's not considered to be a true rental or a true investment property. You're just renting it out for one or two weeks to whoever wants to live there for two weeks and have a vacation. My, my friend with the $1.4 million home, he charges, believe it or not, $10,000 a week to rent his house out in the Keys, all right, and it has a beautiful dock, and it's a it's it's a three bedroom, three bath home, beautiful. But I mean, if I were to take that home and bring it up to Minnesota, it's probably a six hundred thousand dollar house. But down in the mm -hmm. keys, it's one point four million. Right. Yes. 
because they have a beach. <laughs> and it's Correct, warm. a big yes. beach. Yes. You know, I was just thinking, and we've only got a, couple, a minute here right. before we go into the break. Phil, what's the best way for folks to contact you? They can reach me at 651-238-6748, or they can email me at any time at phil at call com. Yes, and you can also reach us at Mimi at MNRedHotRealEstate.com. You can text real estate or mortgage to 651-578-2218, and we'll get back to you. Right. So, and I know you guys have lots of information out there. I also remind you, if they go to your website, Mimi, if they're just going, hey, I don't know where to start, that's always a great place for you to start. A hundred percent. Right. And we also have really great buying and selling guides. All you have to do is request those. Also find it on our website, mytalk1071.com, keyword red hot.